For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the Christ, uh, through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him we, have, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So when you are, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Let me start by saying, Rhonda, I don't want to embarrass you, but Rhonda is here today. Uh, and so we are elated to see that. It's good to have her. We are in the process of talking about what is the church. What does it mean to be the church? What does it look like to be the church? And if you look in your worship booklets there, you're going to see there uh, where there's a section for notes. There's this circle that talks about belong, believe, become, and be. And as we jump into this, last week we began the process of understanding what does it mean for us to be those who belong before we believe, and how do we move from that place of belonging to believing? What is it that we actually need to be believing? And in Ephesians 2, we see that what we need to be believing is that we once were fall, far off, but through God, he has come to save us in Christ Jesus. And in saving us in Christ Jesus, we are no longer... I'm going to need to do something real quick. On the monitors, on one, if you can just pull me down all the way. Awesome. Thank you. Wow, that was so weird. It's like I, I'm hearing what I sound like to everybody else in the world, and I am so, so sorry. Wow, that was amazing. Thank you. You guys can still hear me, though, just fine, right? Yeah, good. All right, great. Um. <laughs> where, where am I at? I am talking about the greatest gift that we have, the fact of what we need to believe. That's right. And what do we need to believe? We need to believe this that God came and pursued us completely. And in Christ, self-sacrificing, he came to show us his steadfast love. And it's in that place that we are moved from darkness to light, from death to life, from what has defeated us to victory, and we are created again as we always were meant to be, as those who are children of God. And that's that idea of belonging and believing. 
I asked last week, if you feel like you belong here, that's awesome. And if you yet not believe, you might ask yourself, if I feel like I belong so well, why am I not believing? And I said to those of you who believe, it would be good for you to look at yourself and go, am I being a part of this group just because I feel like I belong to it? Or am I part of it because I believe that I have been made to be a part of it in Christ Jesus? And so we move from this idea of belonging to believing. Today we're going to look at this idea of moving from just believing to becoming what God is creating us to be. This passage in Ephesians lets us know that God works amazingly in our particularness. God moves towards who we are because He designed us. He created us before the foundation of the world. The passage just before this in chapter 2 reminds us that we are created in Christ for good works. Part of those good works were to be moved into salvation. And then in our particularness, we're not left alone. That we are not then made as an individual, but we are then moved into community. That our particularness, who we are as God made us to be, is vitally discovered most deeply in the place of community, which is his church, Christ, his body. That's what we see happening in this chapter. He says that you once were far off, you once were without peace, but God has brought you in through peace so that you can be what? Built up into something amazing. So it's good for us to recognize that when I belong, I'm belonging. I'm part of a group. But when I move to believing, I start to become something other. This amazing supernatural gathering of those who are in Christ. We use the word church. It's his body. And in that, then I become part of it. So I move from just belonging to becoming part of it. And then we'll move to understanding next week what it means to actually be that. What does it look like practically for us to live that out? But today, it's good for us to see what does it mean to be becoming. What does that look like? The first thing is this. It reminds us that we have only one allegiance, and that's to God. It's really interesting that Paul uses the word peace here. Now, in this context, in Ephesus, there are Jews and there are Gentiles. And there's been a battle that's been going on between them. That place of understanding who's really gods. Now, those who were Gentiles had been pagans, and they had multiple gods, many gods, ruled by the Roman Empire. And in fact, the Roman Empire was saying to everyone, we are the ones who bring peace. Right? The Roman Empire is saying, we're the ones who will dictate what peace looks like. Now they come in with force and with oppression to make that peace happen. And in doing that, they're saying, but peace reigns. Well, that's because nobody wants to fight against them. Everybody's afraid, and they go away, and they do away with those who are opposed to them. It's not true peace. But what Paul says here is that 
true peace comes through Christ. That he comes and preaches it. And so very clearly we see happening that I have only one alliance. As I'm becoming the church, I have one allegiance, and that's to the God who saves. I move away from having multiple allegiances. That doesn't mean, that doesn't mean (laughs) that I become an anarchist. It could for some, (laughs) but it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that we look at everything that every power structure does in the world and say it's all evil. What it means is I have to guard my heart, and thank goodness it's not just me because I am becoming the church, which means I'm in community, against things that I will give allegiance to. Some of us will give allegiance to our jobs. Some of us will give allegiance to money. Some of us will give allegiance to the ideal relationship. Some of us will give allegiance to musicians. Some of us will give allegiance to the best dinner we could ever have. Some of us will give allegiance... But our allegiance is only to God. That's the primary and only. And so Paul is saying, look, you get offered peace all the time. You're told you are given peace, but understand it is not true peace. The only true peace is the thing that can bring those who are warring against each other together. So as we are becoming the church, we first step into the place of recognizing our allegiance is only to God. The second thing we see is we are becoming one people. He says you are no longer Jews and Greeks or Scythians. You are no longer separated. I've come to preach peace to those who were far off and those who were near, to bring in the Jews and the Gentiles together, to build up one person. That there is nothing that can separate us as we are becoming his body. Now the amazing thing about this is it's not that he wants uniformity. It's not that in this he's saying you're no longer Jew and you're no longer Greek. You no longer have those tendencies. You no longer have that heritage. What he's saying is you are above and beyond that in that I am making you one person by bringing peace to you. And so, a church should be a gathering of difference. (laughs) When we are becoming the church, we should recognize that as we sit here, we are not identical. Can I say praise the Lord? Because I'm sure I irritate some of you, and you wouldn't want to be like me. You just agreed to that, Shannon. And I promise you, I wouldn't want to be like some of you. Some of you. We are different. And in our difference, in our particularness, God moves us together to become one person, one body. And that is of Christ Jesus. And so we know that as we are becoming the church, we can have areas of disagreements. We can have places where we are not completely unified, but we have unity in what Christ has done. I think that's one of the most beautiful things about the gathering that is the body of Christ. Is that it should always 
carry forth almost every idea that is within society. Coming together to say, all these things might be important to me, but they are not primary to me. God is primary. And what he wants. And so we know we have one allegiance and we are becoming one people. And it is for one purpose. That is that we are moving together to become the temple or the dwelling place of God. That as we are becoming the church, we are a place of glory and honor and worship and praise. And that's not just the songs we sing and the prayers we hear and the sermons you listen to in the Lord's Supper. That's every bit of who we are gets moved into the place that I can't wait to give glory and honor to God. With all that I am, everything that I do, because it's my one allegiance, because I am gathered together with one people, I can see God high and lifted up and worship that God, I am not only just from afar seeing it and worshiping it, but in fact, as we are gathered together, we become the dwelling place. Which means those who are not yet believing can belong and get captured by the beauty that is the steadfast love of God and his pursuit. How amazing is that? That we're a place you can belong before you believe. And as you begin to believe, you move into the place of becoming this glorious body of Christ. Where we have peace and we are one and we worship the true God. David Cassidy is a pastor over in the States and he said this about the church. Membership or that becoming the church in a local church means journeying, joining your imperfect self to many other imperfect selves to form an imperfect community that through Jesus embarks on a journey towards a better future and present together. So as we recognize our allegiances sometimes get fuzzy, we need each other imperfectly to say, Who do you have as primary in your heart? Who's on the throne? As we get sidetracked by a secondary issue that might keep us from joining together in unity, thinking we must be uniform on this, we need each other to remember in our imperfect selves, we have a perfect Jesus who draws us. And that it's not just for a better future, it is for a better now. Here's the struggle with that. We don't get to define what better is. God does. It's God who defines what that means. Because it's for God's glory that he brings us together in this way. I'm sure... Lots of pastors do this. Um, they, as they read and as they listen to things, they will grab quotes from different things and they'll put them maybe in a, mine's a Google Doc that you put in a Google Doc and you think, oh, that'll be a good quote. So that quote from David Cassidy I read probably, I don't know, two years ago someplace and, you know, went and found it. 
And so while I was searching my Google Docs, I just put in church just to see what would pop up. And I found a letter that I wrote four years ago. Now, this letter was written to people who have been partnered with my family from the state so that they could know what was going on over here. It was about four weeks. So it was September of 2016. Our first Sunday here was August 7th of 2016. I want to read this letter because I think it encapsulates what it means for us to be moving to the place of the come. I'm really kind of shocked that I wrote it as well. Some have seen on Facebook live me talking about our new building and have been waiting with bated breath to hear the rest of the story. For others who missed my craziness on Facebook Live, you may be wondering what is going on. It's been a crazy few months. We've been looking for a meeting space for the Village Church Fremantle. That's what we thought we might be called at that time. For about five months and had submitted a proposal for a building. When our proposal was not selected, we visited many other buildings and spaces in the Fremantle area. Our immediate needs were a place that we could use for about four hours on a Sunday evening for worship and dinner that was warm and inviting and large enough to last us for a few years. Honestly, we really wanted more. We really desired a space that we could have 24-7. We really desired a space that would allow us to create an opportunity for those who would never enter a church building to experience something, art, music, homeschool groups, etc., but also to bump into followers of Christ. We really wanted a chance to have a space that provided the ability to create a third place for people. But that's not what we were looking for, and really not what we asked for when we approached the Subiaco Church. They oversee a congregation at the Fremantle Church, also known as Fremantle Church of Christ. Their building has a chapel, a sanctuary or a worship space, a hall, and a, a few classrooms. The original building was built in 1892 with additions made in later years. Next year, we'll celebrate their 125th years of a local expression of the body of Christ meeting in a particular location. The congregation has diminished in recent years, and Subi had agreed to provide pastoral care for them in the form of preaching and worship leaders for their Sunday morning services. There were also a few young families that lived close to Fremantle that had committed to see if they could help uh, replant this gospel-committed church. Every Sunday at 10 a.m., they gather with about 30 people. We only asked for four hours on a Sunday night. We could start by meeting every other week or so and get our feet wet before making a more traditional launch. We only asked for four hours. We could sit still office in our homes and perhaps rent out spaces for one-off events that would be geared to draw in the communities. We only asked for four hours. It would be a good start and good to start slower. Even if it had been a year, it was like we were just starting to gain traction. So we would not want to bite off more than we could chew. So we only asked for four hours. 
What we didn't know is that the leadership at Subi Church had been um, praying about the possibility of having a part-time or a full-time church planner come and serve the congregation at Fremantle Church. What we didn't know was that they wanted, that they, were, that they had already met their financial need for that. So to make a long story short, over a series of meetings and a few weeks, it became clear that there was no reason for our two groups to exist in the same building at different times, trying to accomplish the same mission, establishing a gospel-centered, grace-based church in Fremantle. Our distinctives are not completely aligned, but our mission to provide the message of God's hope and salvation to the people Fremantle are. Because of your great support, it has allowed us to take the money that Subi had found for us and move it to provide for the Shadburns, who some of you know and some of you don't know, to be able to get here. We only ask for four hours on a Sunday night. What we have is the Shadburns in Australia and Andy ready to serve as our curator of worship and culture. We have a building that we can use 24-7. We have a congregation that is committed to providing a space for people to belong before they believe. We have a congregation made up of folks who have been faithful for over 85 years and brand new followers. We have nine-month-olds and 95-year-olds. We have two services, a 10 and a 5 on Sundays. That didn't last long, by the way. We also have a long road of careful connecting. We have moments of defining who we are and where we will be in five years. We have been joining together the two groups of followers seeking to follow Jesus together. The first Sunday of this endeavor was August the 7th, and we've had four Sundays down and many more to go. We only asked for Sunday nights, and God answered us with what we really desired and needed was almost five years ago. What God does is he takes a group of disparaging people, ragamuffins and 'er ne'er-do-wells, those who have no reason to connect and be aligned, and says, because in your heart you have this one true alliance, because I have formed you into one people, And because in your gathering and in your life completely, you can't help but worship me. He begins to bind and mold and shape. And I, when, when I found this, I looked at it and thought, oh my goodness. We have music and we have art shows. We have care for people who are far off and who are needed. Benevolence overflows out of here and the support groups that continue to meet. And on Sunday mornings, we gather together and worship. And during the week, we get together and we study the word. And that it is truly being a place where you can belong before you believe, challenging you to say, why don't you believe? So that we all together can become what we were called to be, which is Christ's body here on earth, to bring glory and honor to him. Now I want you to notice in this passage, and I want you to hear from this letter, it has nothing, well, it has something to do with us because we are the recipients of it. 
but it is God who does this. It is God who has done Fremantle Church. And so we boast in God. We boast in what he has done. But we invite you over and over again to move to that place of believing so that you can become what God desires and aims you to be. Let me pray. Father, if there's anything that was not from you today, we just ask that you burn it up. And if there is something that was from you, let it take root in our hearts. Let it grow deep down so that it will bring you glory and honor and praise. And it's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen.